0: Cloudy with a Chance of Racing, episode 27 coming at you here after the Watkins Glen weekend with the NASCAR National Series. Braxton Crisp, Jake Flatley, Steve Binko with you tonight. Dylan Godet is uh, doing weather things, I'm sure. And and yeah, so we are going to uh, recap the uh, Watkins Glen weekend without him. Uh, And that's okay, though, because honestly, there wasn't much to recap there, right? It was uh, very much a freight chain race on Sunday. And Saturday. Well,
1: I mean, Saturday, uh, yes. uh, Saturday, I think, was the most exciting part of the weekend, uh, considering we saw a little bit of drama with uh, Sam Mayer and everybody on the track, just about, who was uh, first through fifth. So um, overall, I mean, it was a snooze fest, I think, on both races, but specifically the cup race. I'm still a pretty big fan of of, uh, Watkins Glen. Uh, I think it's my favorite road course. I think that there are, uh, there's a lot of potential with the next gen car. I don't like how the race was set up as far as stages go. I still think there needs to be stage cautions. And obviously the biggest uh, storyline of the weekend was Chase Elliott running out of gas after Alan Gustafson says, I believe, and I believe I quote, they got bad information um, about how much gas they didn't have. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a snoozer for me at
0: least. Yeah, I got some bad information picking him this week too.
2: <laughs> Isn't Alan the one handling the information though? But um, anyways, I thought that it it was just it was just a forgettable race, you know. And I like Watkins Glen, and uh, it probably is. And like many race fans, I think if you just pulled a NASCAR fan, your favorite road course, on the schedule would pr- probably be Watkins Glen. The place was packed with fans. It's just disappointing that they didn't see, you know, a good race. I mean, uh, um, you kind of knew uh, – at, well, at first, it looked like Michael McDowell, he got to the lead, looked like a clear favorite. Man, could go back-to-back. Once, you know, the race, you know, pretty much came down to pit road and, and the mistakes had happened, and once – William Byron got out front. We know how good his pit crew is. We've seen it all season. It was kind of, okay, this is Byron's race to lose. He didn't make any mistakes. And it seemed like, the for the most part, the guys up front pretty much remained up front. There was the caution towards the end during green flag stops. Kind of jumbled the order up just a little bit. But ultimately... It was just William Byron's day, and uh, you look at—it it was a lot like last week, which another road course. And you look at this stat: the race went under two hours, and that—that that says something right there. One hour, fifty-eight minutes, forty-four seconds—the shortest full-distance Cup Series race since August 1971.
1: Which is bad, I think. I don't think that's good. That's not good. I, I hate that. Not I mean, at all. that was like a Greg Maddox game. You know, um, there aren't a lot of opportunities to uh, see restarts. I think restarts are necessary at road courses. Um, stage cautions are necessary at road courses. Well, at least at least this road course it's a little bit different on other ones because this is such a big track as far as like, there's a lot of space, a lot of areas where you can run it wide open, which creates, I think a lot of separation between cars sometimes. Um, but I thought the stage the stage cautions were necessary in this race. And, um, you know, you, or the only other thing that I could think of, if you want to keep, keep it without stage cautions is just make the race longer. Um, that's with this one specifically, uh, that I think would have made it a little bit more intriguing and there would have been more attrition and you might not have seen William Byron win this one. It might've been somebody else. There may have been another situation that uh, you could have seen Chase Elliott or somebody else have a better situation in the pits. It's just, it's tough to say, but overall, I mean, like, I, I don't know anybody who could have looked at
0: this and been like, yeah, an hour and 57 minutes. That's definitely good. Yeah. The, the short time frame of that, uh, of that race was, was really disappointing. And I almost feel like the, the last couple of races, Indy. And then here at a walk into it makes me feel like the, the fans kind of got, got shortchanged a bit, right? Like, you know, both of them were on about two hours for a full length cup race. Um, I feel like they're, they weren't really getting their money's worth on uh, seeing their, um, their favorite drivers, you know, actually do battle, especially with the way the racing was, that you couldn't get within 10 feet of the car in front of you without your handling going to complete trash. Um, they really didn't get to see much action at all. Uh, so it makes it uh, pretty disappointing. Um, I, I like your idea, Steve, on on lengthening the race, and it kind of brought about an idea of of what if there is a, a minimum time that they have to meet in the Cup Series race. You know, i uh, um, it's two and a half hours, to three hours for a total duration. I mean, I feel like 95% of all cup races reach three hours or, you know, some number, right. Uh, just to, to kind of justify the length, because, you know, you know, you know, if you go to a, um, an an NFL game, you're going to pay a premium for an NFL game. It's kind of the the big dog in American sports, right. But you know, you're going to be there for at least three hours. You're going to get, you know, kind of your money's worth there. I think the only one that, you might have a, a bit of a speedy deal is uh, is maybe, you know, baseball. If, you know, somebody throws, you know, just a complete, you know, uh, dominant game or whatever. Then you might have just a game, especially with the new pitch clock stuff, uh, which is a whole different story. You know, I might have a game in the two hour, 15 minute range. Uh, but then again, there's you have, in theory, uh, 41 or 80, 81 opportunities to see your your favorite team, you know, at home. Whereas but, like yeah. the the Cup series goes to your market at max twice and a lot of times it's just once. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you know there there should be some sort of maybe a time minimum. Plus I think having a maybe if they do it at, at Glenn like one of the Watkins Glenn's like biggest events throughout the year is the Salem six hours, their uh their sports car race with Imsa. What if you did a timed race like that? Maybe not six hours, because then it necessitates um having a uh, a, a second driver on each team, but what if they did um, a, a two and a half hour race, a two hour forty five minute race, or a three hour race? Uh, I think that would be that would be interesting, especially because you don't know how many laps you're going to complete in that time. So it could really throw the strategies all over the place.
1: Well, I agree. So I was at the Salem Six Hours at the Glen last year, and um, the you get. I mean, I I wasn't there all six hours because it was like 150 degrees outside. But, um, you know, when you're, when you're there, it doesn't feel like a long time. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, um, it's not an oval. So you don't see the cars going round and round for a, a long period of time. Um, you see, you know, a group of cars and a couple stragglers, leaders, kind of some mid, mid, uh, Like middle of the road drivers, every minute and a half or so. So, um, you know, I think that it's a good idea to have there there be some sort of minimum time because uh, two hours under two hours for a race is just unacceptable. Especially considering the fact that so many of these people. I mean, you look at Watkins Glen. I think Jake, you mentioned the uh, attendance. Well, let's talk about the, the people who camp, who go who are looking for, you know, they spend a certain amount of time there. Well, they also expect the race to be a certain length of time, you know? So, um, you know, they go and wait and camp out for multiple days to see an hour and 57 minute race. It's bad for the product on TV, but it's also bad for the product in person.
2: Mm-hmm. You think of, and in, in also where Watkins Glen is located in, in the market itself. And think about how, how long some fans even just drove to the race. I mean, they are driving longer than the race lasted a lot of them. And I, I mean, I do where, I mean, where I live in Southern West Virginia, you got to drive. as you know, pretty good distance to get to the track and uh, to, to the closest ones. But I know that, I mean, a lot of fans drive long distances. Um, So, yeah, I don't think any, a full length, you know, nothing, you know, crazy happens to end it early. If it's a full distance, it should never be under two hours long. That, that's for sure.
0: Well, I think we're all on the same page there. Let's talk some about the uh, on track action starting on Saturday with the Xfinity Series race. Um, uh, yet another race where Ty Gibbs, was seemed to be the car to beat, uh, just like he was in Indianapolis last week. Uh, he led most of the way there at the uh, the Watkins Glen course as well, and uh, it was Justin Allgaier was up there fighting for it. Man, the JRM team just cannot get out of their own way in a lot of ways, and and Allgaier got bit by that again. Of course, it was his teammate Sam Mayer picking up his second win of the season, his second career win, also on a road course uh, and a controversial move. Uh, On Ty Gibbs. And uh, I I thought, you know, definitely it wasn't a spectacular race by any means, I don't think, but certainly much more entertaining uh, than the Cup Series, which is something we've come to expect. But uh, I think the Cup Series set a new low this week. But uh, what do we think about the Xfinity Series race on Saturday?
1: Well, it was fine, I guess. I mean, we've said time and time again that the Xfinity racing generally is the most. Uh, watchable of the weekend and you know that is um, applicable in this instance as well. Now um, it's good for Sam Mayer. I think that I, I think that I wasn't really that upset with what happened. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it didn't really bother me that much. I mean, you know, obviously this is not ideal scenario for multiple cars, including uh, Gibbs, uh, and, um, Austin Hill, but, um, you know, it, it let, there's drama, you know, and that's it, it, Sam Harris really kind of no stranger to drama, especially last year with him. He and Gibbs, I think was at Bristol. Um, but, uh, overall, I mean, you know, Parker Kligerman had a great day. Um, Sheldon Creed, same deal. And even Ross Chastain, uh, snagged a top five. So you would have thought that, there would have been kind of more crossover between, uh, you know, Xfinity and cup with, uh, Chastain, but not as much, but Gibbs had a solid day both in both races overall. Um, but again, you know, it just wasn't overall the weekend. It wasn't good racing.
2: Yeah. You wonder, you know, if the late race incident didn't happen and overtime and all of that, if we would, really be talking you know about you know the Xfinity race being decent I would say Ty Gibbs uh he 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 dominated that thing led 70 of the 86 laps won both stages was really in position um you know then then the late race incident happens um and I thought man Ty Gibbs uh obviously what wasn't pleased and then afterwards, you know, kind of, you know, made uh, some disses there at Sam talking, Ty talking about his own wins and how he races on Sunday and whatnot. So, um, you know, that's, I, that's part of the reason why it's, it's fun when some of these guys come down, even though, I mean, Ty's still super young and he's a cup series rookie, but um, when you mix in, some guys who do race full time on Sunday, some things like this happen. And um, but looking at at the finishing results, there weren't uh, too many surprises. I would say you you know you have a guy like um, Connor Mozak finishing fifth. Uh, that that's a nice run for him. The highest finishing Toyota, right in front of John Hunter Nemechek. Um, but you know, for Sam, this this gives him a boost, and this is uh, a series that's, I think, going to be extremely exciting here in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, JHN uh, had some tough luck where he had basically half of his door skin ripped off on the left side uh, in that last caution. Uh, a lot of the foam ripped out of it. Um, I, I kind of wish Dylan was here uh, because there was a strange meteorological phenomenon I, I I witnessed during the the um the Ty Gibbs interview where it seemed just like a lot of clouds rolled in and there was just a ton of shade in that interview. Did you guys notice that too? Yeah. yeah. There's a ton of shade from Ty yeah. Gibbs uh on uh on uh on Sam Mayer there. Sorry oh, those I get are, it. That was a really
1: bad dad joke. He's he's dissing him and the young guys call it young people
0: call it shade that's a good one yeah that, that was a really bad dad joke it's okay um but, but yeah so th- there was a uh, a lot of uh a lot of thinly veiled smack talk going on there from uh from Ty Gibbs uh in the direction of Sam Mayer. uh i also want to talk about the the cutoff line because there was a big change there where uh riley herbs just had a day of rotten luck and um first he was having issues with the gate and the transmission that holds the, the car into fourth gear uh, where it wouldn't stay into fourth so he was having to hold it into fourth and then uh, they had uh, an issue where they were just going through the uh, going around the course and it just ripped a weld in half that holds, holds the track bar on and And day was done. Like they couldn't you know, obviously can't go back and weld that up and get it square the way it needs to be for the car to run right. Um, so day done for, uh, for Riley Herbst and that has big implications on the cutoff line because now, uh, with his fifth place, fourth place finish, I believe it was no third, sorry, third for Parker Kligerman, uh, third for PK gets him three points below the cut line. And remember the Xfinity series, uh, their playoffs don't start until after Kansas. So they still have Daytona, Darlington and Kansas to wrap up their regular season and the, the fight is heating up there, uh, with Kligerman just three points out of that coveted 12th spot behind Riley Herbst. Uh, I feel like Riley Herbst has had a good season. Parker Kligerman's had a good season. Neither of them have, uh, you know, consistent outstanding runs, but, uh, at least there's going to be a, uh, a dog fight to the finish there, uh, for that last spot in the Xfinity series. Um, just a kind of a random thing that whenever I hear the
1: word track bar, I always think of that clip of, uh, Jimmy Johnson yelling at, um, Chad Knauss where he tells him that he's, I think five inches down on the track part. And, and Chad Knauss is like, why is that low? And he's like, I don't know. Why is the earth round? I'm loose. Um, (laughs) but, uh, anyway, uh, one thing about Parker Clickerman that I, uh, I I wanted to add is that you're right. I don't think that I have, I haven't really, we haven't seen super outstanding runs, but he's one of those drivers this year. That's just been able to really kind of hang around. And like in that war of attrition and in in a lot of these races, he kind of, he just, uh, he, he succeeds. Like he's able to stay clean and not worry about kind of getting into somebody and wrecking in late. And he's been really good over the last few weeks. I still don't think I see him winning, um, but he's close. He's close enough that a couple of good runs and maybe some misfortune
0: from Riley Herbst. And he's going to be uh, he's going to be right there. Well, remember, where are his wins in uh, the truck series? Road courses, super speedways. Yeah. So he's got a he ran well at uh, at Watkins Glen and he's got a prime opportunity this coming week at Daytona as well. But no wins. In Xfinity, no, that's, wins in Xfinity. I, I I realize it's different, but but still, the, the tracks that he excels at. This is a a ripe opportunity for him, we uh, wherein going into the third of three weeks now. Yeah,
2: and Steve mentioned his you know kind of consistency and the ability to be there at the end. I mean, you look at you look at the Xfinity standings. He has twelve. Parker Kligerman has twelve top tens. That's more than six of the guys above the cut line. Um, yeah. And, and just points wise without a couple guys, um, having, you know, their, their win to get him in. he has more just total points and a few of them. So he, he's just, he's right there. And he, he has also looking at DNFs. He only has two rally herps has six, um, so he's, you know, consistently, uh, dependable for these solid races and man, o- only three points behind now. Um, and, and Riley's had, had a great season. Um, and, and it, it's hard to make the playoffs in Xfinity too, considering they only only take 12 so instead of that 16 in the cup series. So, um, it'll, that it will certainly be, uh, Something to watch, and I mean really not that far above Herps is uh you know Daniel Hemrick and Sheldon Creed.
0: Yeah, totally. You know, Hemrick Creed, any of them get caught up in a mess at Daytona and and Riley or, or Parker sneak through, then that totally flip-flops the uh, the Xfinity series standings there as they head to uh, to Darlington after that. So uh, the the playoff battle is hotting up there. And it'll be something exciting to watch over the next few weeks. Um, again, much more exciting than yesterday's cup series race uh, where somehow Denny Hamlin has become a, a qualifying monster in the cup series uh, on road courses uh, at tra- a track type that he admittedly is not very good at and doesn't care much for, but is trying to get better at, uh, but he can't quite get it done in the races. Uh, he, he, won the poll and then almost immediately surrendered the lead to Michael McDowell who led the way. It was running great. And, uh, and Michael McDowell's demise was very much self-inflicted in the first part of the race with the, uh, the pit road penalty. We, we texted in our group chat, like what in the world was he thinking? He must've gotten some bad information just like uh, Alan Gustafson did. Well, I don't understand how many, how many boxes did he drive through? Four. four. So basically, he went through four because there's an empty box, and he thought the empty box did not count uh, towards the the three that you're allowed to go through.
1: Sixteen years in, in driving in the Cup Series, basically, and he didn't know that.
0: Yeah, it, I I don't know. It's it's a lapse on him. It's a lapse on the crew chief, kind of everybody uh, on that organization. And um, it, it I will say it was very valiant of them that they were able to come back from uh from like. 15th 16th or so after they they blended out f- serving their penalty uh and were able to fight back in the top 10 just after the end of stage two so a, a very good effort there by those group uh, but those guys then they had uh another issue where did they have another penalty that yeah. dropped him back further or was it just the ecu there was too, I think too there was... many men over the wall i think that's right or over too soon something like that or yeah Yes, and,
2: and he he fought back again in the race. Like he was, he passed you know Chase Elliott on you know that the long green flag. He, he was one of the
0: few cars that actually could pass people, right?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and then you know we ran into some issues, but it was you know when he was leading, if he you know it could have, would have, should have, but I mean if he didn't have those uh, issues, I mean clearly he was one of the class of the field along with Byron.
0: But also, you have to wonder too. Um, like you saw, as the as the leaders caught lap traffic, you know that that they weren't exactly blowing by Andy Lally and Cole Custer and the Rick Ware cars either. That it almost makes you wonder. You could have stuck. I don't know. Chase Briscoe was pretty bad yesterday, but you could have stuck one of the SHR cars that were well off the pace out front, and they might have been able to hold off you know, and stay in the top five, at least just because of how hard it was to pass. Well, chase
1: was pretty good. Uh, Elliot in, in clean air, which he had a little bit of for the beginning of the race. And he was top five car.
0: And yeah. when he made the, uh, the, the first pit stop, they, they went on an alternate strategy and he got out in some clean air and laid down some blistering laps too. Very fast, but uh, you could, he
1: couldn't pass. Nobody could pass. So, yeah. it, you know, it was like this is, you know, and I, <clears throat> I guess, I don't know if, you know, you know, we're going to get to it, but, you know, when you look at how he, he's one of the road course, the best, one of the best road course drivers, I guess, probably ever. And you had all dinger and, and a couple others, but um, you know, William Byron, not historically a great road course driver wins the race. Um, and you had some other road course drivers who are usually very good, who weren't very good yesterday. So it was like a mixed bag of things all happening. It was like a hodgepodge of like randomness in this, uh, in this race. But overall, I mean, you know, Michael McDowell couldn't get out of his own way. And then you had somebody who like Kyle Larson at the end of the race, who was pretty fast. And then, um, you know, boneheaded penalty that cost them any chance that they may have had, um, at a better finish. And, you know, you got to think that Rick Hendrick is not happy with what's been going on this year outside of William Byron, who has obviously been the shining light for uh, Hendrick Motorsports. But, I mean, every week it seems like one of the HMS cars is shooting themselves in the foot, sometimes multiple in one race.
2: Think about like, I mean, before the season, you would have and William Byron, five wins, but then Bowman and Elliott don't make the playoffs. So that- you know, just seems like a season but you wouldn't expect but
1: more, it. more so that like Bowman and Elliott both got hurt mm-hmm. doing not Cup Series related things, and then uh, Chase gets Chase Elliott gets suspended, which is I mean like you know you would have never thought Chase Elliott would have been suspended from a race prior to this year. The idea that he would have gotten hurt snowboarding something he's done for. At least, you know, 15, 10, 15 years, something along those lines. So, just the most bizarre season for
0: HMS in recent memory. I mean, the same thing goes though. Like, you know, no way you could have predicted that Alex Bowman would have broken his back, you sure. know, in a, in a spring car wreck because I mean, look how many times Kyle Larson gets in those cars, and and thank goodness he he's not gotten hurt in those. But uh, yeah, it's a fluke deal, right? Right. It's I will weird. I will. You're reminding me, based on the the Chase Elliott suspension thing and him crashing. Do you believe uh, Sam Mayer's excuse on Saturday that he wheel hopped into Turn One and that's what cleaned out uh, Ty Gibbs? I mean, no,
1: but you could see the uh, no, I, no, I mean, not. It was a, if he did, he wheel hopped intentionally, like he knew what he was doing, um, but. Not really. I mean, he knew it. He was trying to win the race, and he did. So,
2: yeah, I don't. I don't really buy it either. I mean, I think kind of clear. And then you heard a lot of uh, you know, chatter on the radio from you know something intimate that happened a little earlier in the race. You know, yeah, and, and- get him back and you know, kind of an encouraging something like that.
0: Totally. Yeah. And and NBC had a great shot, uh, from the inside of, of turn one, uh, uh, there on, on, and you could see that, uh, the back wheels did not, you know, stop and chatter like you would have with wheel hop. And you could see Sam Mayer get loose, but in my estimation, that, that looked a lot more like a ton of front brake cranked into it loose more so than, than wheel hop loose. Uh, so but I, that's what you have to do in NASCAR these days. Or you're going to get docked 25 points and find X amount of money. Ask Denny Hamlin about it. Right. Um, but Yeah. In the Cup Series race, they, they've got to do something to improve the passing. Because I know we talked about like a minimum race length idea as we floated earlier in the show. But that doesn't matter. It's, it's going to make it 10 times worse if you have a minimum race length. Could you imagine another hour of that yesterday of just the same thing? Would
1: have been miserable. Well, no, yeah, I agree. And here's another thing that you know, if there was another hour of it, um, the only other thing that I could think of is that, like, if you like, when when these guys were on fresh tires, there was a they, they all all of them who were fast were very fast. When the tires fell off, they were very slow. Which I I know I understand is like how how it goes. However, um, I don't think I don't know, but I don't think that if you change the tire like the compound. To any any kind of different compound, that it's going to make that much of a difference. At the end of the day, everything always goes back to needing more horsepower. Uh, the Gen Six cars, I think, were very good on road courses, um, and you know they were a lot of fun to watch. It, you know, I was texting with one of my friends, and he said we should bring back the Gen Six cars just for road courses, and then have the next gen cars for everywhere else. I know that's ridiculous, but like. There's, road courses and short tracks. There's nothing good at all about the next gen cars on road courses. I mean, Sonoma. They're too good. It's there's you know, the one thing that I think that uh, that helps is that you know there are more and more drivers that I think are getting better at road courses in this car that you may not have seen like in the gen six cars have a shot, like somebody like Daniel Suarez last year at Sodoma or Reddick, who has become very good in, in, uh, in the next gen car at road courses. And um, so I think it's good in that aspect of it, because there's more of a level playing field, but the flip side of that coin though, a lot of the time is that you can't pass. So if you have a good qualifying lap and you end up on the pole there's a realistic possibility that you win that race despite maybe not even being the best driver uh, of the day.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, agree. And, and I think that if you look at, you know, this combined with this change this year with the stage cautions, which at first um, was celebrated. I mean, in, in, a lot of people, including, uh, I'm sure we discussed it early on in the season when it when they made the rule change with the uh, no stage cautions at the road courses. I think people are like, makes sense, uh, but if you're putting out something like this uh, with this product, you know, you might want to lean back and, and go to those back to the stage cautions and. I I would imagine, you know, with the performance of the next gen on the road courses um, and the amount of road courses on the schedule, they NASCAR might, and I I would hope so too, to probably take one or two back off of the schedule because it it, they it kind of loaded up in recent years. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised to see more uh, more schedule changes, or rule changes to try to fix this
0: yeah i think that they've got to do something uh I, i'm not entirely sure that a tire change or a horsepower change at the road courses is going to make much a difference uh purely because like yesterday i, I feel like they said the fall off was like a second it was like two laps the whole way is what i remember all or singing um and then i i just think that they're the you know Part of the trouble with the passing is that you can't get close enough to a car to really affect them, to really like, you know, work underneath them. You get so close that your handling just totally goes away and then it's, you know, you can't do anything. So that's why they had to stay back, you know, two and three car lengths uh, is because their handling goes away so bad. And that tells me that there's a couple of things going on, uh, a couple of things they can try to, to do to change things. One would be add some mechanical front grip or two, reduce the reliance on arrow grip uh, because they are, that's, that's exactly what, why every single car, every single driver in the cup series says in the next gen car, they get ridiculously tight when they get up behind another car. And it's like so the front end washes out when there's no air hitting your nose. They are so reliant on arrow uh, grip on the front that it's just killing the racing. Um, so I think that's where they need to be looking on trying to make improvements. Um, you know, get it to where they can get back up behind a car and, 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 you know, give them a bumper, you know, work underneath them. You know, that's, it's the same thing that happens at Martinsville and Bristol, uh, and, and Richmond to an extent. You just can't get underneath anybody cause you can't get close enough anymore. Um, that's why I think as I said earlier, bring back the, the gen six cars for road courses and the short tracks and help. It wouldn't be that bad. I mean, it'd be a little bit more expensive, it, for sure. But also, you don't feel so bad destroying those cars. You don't have that many of them. I mean, you know exactly, and they're pretty expendable as it is. One thing I did text you guys about uh, in the group chat is as I was drawing a comparison to like the IndyCar series, which uses a spec chassis, right? Very similar uh, to. Uh, to the NASCAR spec chassis. In fact, I think they're both made by Dallara. I know IndyCar is, and I think NASCAR's uh, chassis, at least Dallara had some impact or uh, influence in the, the, the chassis design. Uh, one thing that IndyCar has, though, is they still have control of some components on the car. Uh, the teams do. Specifically, they have like their shock and, and spring and damper package is still controlled entirely by the teams. They have a sandbox to play in for sure um but it is a pretty large sandbox they can kind of they have a pretty wide range of what they want to do compared to the cup series where it's here's your shock off the shelf and you can make like two changes to it have fun with it 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 just makes the cars and such a a small box that you can't do anything with them uh so i'm i wonder if if maybe nascar link which is a little bit of control on things like that just to have some variance within the teams and And sure, you probably are going to go back to a little bit of what they were trying to get away from with he who has the most money wins the most races. But IndyCar has the same thing right now, right? You see Penske and Ganassi winning a bunch of IndyCar races. They have the most money. Dale Coyne is not setting the world on fire in his cars because he does not have as much money as Penske and Ganassi does. That's racing for you. Uh, I feel like that that could be a move that NASCAR might make um, that would... Uh, that would help the racing and 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 have trickle down effects too, and, and perhaps helping the industry uh, by, by employing some more people uh, that that were let go uh, when the next gen car came around, and there's no need for shock specialists or anything anymore.
1: I agree with that. Um, you know, I think with courses like uh, Watkins Glen, where they are, you can hold it wide open for a shorter period of time you have the opportunity to potentially catch somebody before going through somewhere like the bus stop. But outside of that, I mean, you're not really going to get that many opportunities to get to somebody's bumper and try to pass them unless it's some sort of like restart within the first lap or so before everybody gets spread out. So yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot they can do right now. I mean, we're going to get to the Roval in what a couple of weeks. And um, so I don't think that there's going to be that much to a difference between now and then, but um, let's hope next year NASCAR sees how bad the product has been at road courses this year and decides that they want to make a change. Maybe yeah, they're listening I, to our podcast.
0: I hope so. I mean, you even think too, like you, you literally cannot wheel hop the next gen car. There is, you know, there, the, the range of, of, uh, or the likelihood of a mistake being made with huge brakes that they have on the next gen car and zero possibility for wheel hop. Has made them super easy to drive on the road course compared to the previous generation of car. Also, the previous generation, you had a little bit of uh, of, of room wiggle room where teams could pick gear ratios in the transmissions and, and your rear gear ratio, whereas all of that is locked up now with the next gen car. You cannot touch anything inside the transmission or the uh, the final drive of the transaxle. So that's why you don't see anybody able to get a run on somebody off of uh, off of turn four there. In, in at Watkins Glen for example is cuz they all have the exact same gear ratio. What do you expect? So
1: um another little part of this is you know with how uh these cars look, you know, outside. I don't know if anybody like noticed how any of those like uh in-car cameras how violent some of those uh those bumps the are. curbs, yeah. It is like great like I think they ha- they were on Chase Elliott for I think maybe close to a lap and, uh, you could just see
0: like when he would hit one of those curbs, it's, it's. Oh, I, especially the, the, uh, what is it? The exit of the carousel where they run oh, yeah. wide going to turn six. And, and you go
1: really, really fast over those. And, yeah. uh, you can see, I mean, obviously, you know, it's less people are listening, but like he has, it's like kind of like saw in the wheel without actually going anywhere, you know, and then it's a violent, really violent collision between like, The tires and the road after that, so you you it's hard they're hard they're harder to handle I think, Um, but that also works as a detriment to them because you can't you can't do
0: anything with with uh, with the next gen car especially on a road course. So, I mean, I have a feeling that NASCAR is going to going to have to loosen up. I mean, these are uh, not exactly the same complaints, but there were certainly many complaints in the mid two thousands when the COT came out. And NASCAR relented, and we ended up with a pretty darn good race race car in the Gen Six car. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, so uh, I, I certainly hope that NASCAR is uh, isn't sticking to their guns so hard that they're being hard headed and not wanting to improve the racing, um, and, and we can kind of make some progress in the next year or so. Well, I think that that kind of puts a bow on our, our rant about the the Watkins Glen weekend and the uh, how uh, how boring the. Uh, the road course racing has been in the last couple of weeks. Um, let's get to our pop-up showers for this week. How about that, Jake?
2: Sure thing. And my pop-up shower and something that everyone has seen and been excited about was announced today, where NASCAR and Netflix are partnering for a new series documenting this season's playoffs, which will be scheduled to come out on Netflix early. 2024 um, looks like it, it'll be five episodes 45 minutes each and I think the big news we kind of knew this was in the works but Dale Earnhardt Jr. is among the list of producers you know Ben Kennedy is in one of them NASCAR Studios is will be part of the production side and then the group is partnering you know with the um, with Connor Shell and Libby Guest who worked on the last dance 30 for 30, which was oh so popular. And just bringing it back, um, just the fact that NASCAR is partnering with Netflix alone, I think is just a huge deal no matter what it is. So let's hope there's some, uh, I'm sure there will be crazy playoff drama. Um, because I think NASCAR has a lot to show the world in terms of entertainment.
0: I will say a quick note. I know, uh, Many fans, uh, uh, people who might listen to this podcast might have watched some of the other sports docuseries on Netflix, such as like Full Swing with Tennis, uh, or sorry, Full Swing with Golf, Breakpoint with Tennis, uh, Drive to Survive with Formula One, that whole series. Those are all produced by the same company, Box to Box Productions. Um, that's a different group from what's doing the, uh, the NASCAR event. So I would not expect a Drive to Survive type deal uh, in, in some of the same production elements, but still a very good production group that did uh, the last dance, so a lot to be excited for there.
1: I think also um, there were uh, some complaints about Drive to Survive, of how it was pretty, like, over-dramatized and I don't think that's really possible in this instance considering there are so many NASCAR purists that I think are are going to call them out on it. Not only call them out on it, but you can't Like you can't fake the funk. Like you can't really have like a a situation uh, like you have in Formula One where it's not as popular here. So if somebody watches it, they are not
0: they don't pay attention. They're kind of forced to assume that it's the truth,
1: right? And so in this instance, like people like us or you know listeners of the pod or or just NASCAR fans will watch something, and if it's nonsense, then they're gonna. Dale Earnhardt wouldn't do that. Dale Earnhardt Jr. wouldn't do that. He's not going to put something out that's going to be like uh, bogus. And I think that he's got, if anybody in NASCAR has a pulse on fans, it's him. Um, And so I'm actually, I'm very, very excited to see it. Totally.
0: Steve, Um, what's your uh, pop-up shower? My
1: pop-up shower comes from uh, Parker Kligerman. And he tweeted today, Now I will ask you guys this question. I'll give you my answer and then I'll ask you. Um, He tweeted, you could drive any race car for one time or drive any race car one time for one lap. What car, where, and why? Um, I'm going to choose the... It it was a toss-up between two cars, um, but I'm going to choose Jeff Gordon's uh, Monte Carlo from 1998, And I'm gonna do it at the uh, the fall Daytona race that he won. Um, Any race from that year, really, uh, one of the, if not the best season of all time. I think that the uh, you know 13 wins. It was a probably the best season in recent history of NASCAR and maybe ever. And uh, you know there was a story that he had with um, that he was doing with uh, Jeff Gordon with Joe. I think it was Joe Buck. And talking about how there were times during his peak where uh, he would have more than a four second la- uh, lead over the field, and he would get a he would get a call basically over the radio from Ray Evernham telling him to slow it down a little bit because he's making the uh, he's making the show look bad. So
0: ninety eight Jeff Gordon uh, car, I'd pick the, any race. The T Rex car that uh, from the uh, from the All Star race that was very illegal but also technically legal enough to make the all-star race absolutely sure we'll go with that one but i'm curious what you guys have to think so i gotta ask here is it like you know, one lap right now is do you get like you know laps to like build it up to it because obviously like we're not like race car drivers so like or is it just like total like zero to nothing that's your one lap you get a qualifying
1: lap how about that you get a qualify you get a you get a, a warm up lap
0: and then you get the one lap to go through. Okay. Yikes. Man, Because so I would love to do uh, one of like the early 2000s, like the V12 Formula One cars uh, at Spa Franco Shop in uh, Belgium. Because Eau oh, Rouge, like it, you've probably seen videos of it online. If you haven't, it's EAU, R O U G E. Those, the V12 screaming at 18,000 RPM. Going up that hill, some of the most epic video of racing you'll ever see. However, I don't want to pick that because I know absolutely sure that I'm not going to be able to get that car up to full chat on one practice lap, like one like installation lap, out lap, and then one flying lap. There's no way in the world. Um. So because of that, I think I'm going to have to go. with a, a top fuel car, a top fuel drag car, <laughs> just because I feel like I, I feel like, you know, the, the learning curve is still very steep. Right. But I feel like the learning curve uh, is would be it's incredible to have 12000 horsepower basically strapped to your back. And all you have to do is get it staged. When the light goes green, you let go of the brake handle and you put your foot to the floor and you hold it there. Until you get a thousand feet down the road, and then you throw the chute. Um, I, I, I definitely don't mean to diminish it and make it sound like a "how hard can it be" kind of thing, because it's still very difficult. Um, it's a lot of strain on your body, but that would be just so exhilarating. And I feel like I would catch onto that a lot easier than trying to get the most out of an F one car to really get that sensation of, of running a spa.
2: This is tough, and I'll be. You know, it's funny, uh, my selection, I'd probably just want to, you know, go race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the Indy 500 and in, in an Indy car. Just, it's different from, you know, obviously open wheel and different from a stock car. Um, so that that itself would be awesome. And then I just feel like, you know, I, I love uh, the Daytona 500. But there's something about the Indianapolis 500 and being there. Um, I I guess, you know, (laughs) coming off the the most recent winner, I guess maybe for for Team Penske um, and and Roger Penske would be really cool. Um, But I think the thrill of it, and obviously the speeds, I mean, uh, just can't really compare that, I think, to a lot around the entire world of auto racing.
0: See, I, I see you're kind of bending Steve rules there. Steve's rule on like the qualifying lap thing. Cause in India, of course, this tradition for your qualifying is four laps. So you just bought yourself three laps there. See? I think, uh,
1: my other, my other option would have been, um, the Bill Elliott, uh, world's fastest car. What was it? 85
0: Talladega. Oh, yeah. What he had basically had like half a degree of spoiler angle. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And uh, I think 228 it was, <laughs> miles an hour.
1: <laughs> Some ridiculous number of speed him. around Talladega. Right. I think, I don't, was that the race where he was, he, I think he blew a fuel line or an oil pump or fuel line when he went two laps down and
0: unlapped himself and then won the race? possibly yeah i can't remember i was still uh, alive but it, it, you know, actually that's a that's a good segue steve because something i wanted to mention it's not really my um, my pop-up shower but it's a, it's a good time to mention it is nascar classics nascar put up uh what they call to be the 75 greatest races in uh nascar history are up on their website now to watch in full um it, i haven't gotten a chance to watch any yet but i know it's going to be some epic watching epic viewing i told you guys the one that that I'm looking forward to most, and I've seen it before, but it's such a good race, is the uh, the 1992 season finale at Atlanta, uh, of course, where there was the dogfight for uh, for the championship, ultimately won by Alan Kowicki. uh the changing of the guard, uh, Richard Petty's last Cup Series race, Jeff Gordon's first Cup Series race. Uh, so much happening in that, in that race there uh, in Atlanta, so I'm looking forward to watching that one for sure. Uh, I think my pop-up shower for this week, though, is going to be something I saw online, uh, I think on Saturday, maybe. Um, You might remember uh, Matt Tift drove a season, uh, most of a season in the Cup Series for uh, Front Row Motorsports, Uh, ended up having to step away from driving race cars, Um, had some uh, neurological issue that um, I think caused seizures and made it unsafe for him to be behind the wheel, uh, he's gone through a lot of medical stuff since then. He's also a uh, part owner of Live Fast Motorsports with BJ McLeod and uh, Matt Tift shared over the weekend that he has been cleared to drive again, and he got to go um, test a model uh, there, I believe, somewhere in the Virginias or Car- Virginia or Carolinas. So, uh, uh, great to see Matt Tift uh, on the road to recovery, and maybe we'll see him on a racetrack uh, in competition sometime soon. Yeah, that would be great. Great uh great pop-up showers this week, guys. Uh we'll have to keep our keep our game going for next week for sure. Keep our game up. So uh let's go to our race picks for this past week and um it was a dismal day for Chase Elliott that is well established, uh, with uh, bad information he got from Alan Gustafson on the amount of reserve fuel they had up running out of gas and then rode around for the rest of the race, basically two laps down. So um, I got a 32nd place finish out of Chase. Uh, I got nine points out of him. He did get some stage points in stage one. Um, Dylan had a tough day as well with Daniel Suarez finishing 22nd. Got 15 points for that. Jake had a, a pretty good day. He's on a heater of what is that? Uh, Five straight, yeah. All five right. straight top fives. Average finish of fifth. Uh He had an eighth place from Tyler Reddick, getting thirty points. And then Steve led the way with our for our group with Martin Truex Jr. finishing sixth and getting thirty one points. That's made a big shakeup in our standings. So Dylan is up at eight hundred and sixty one, leading the way. Steve sixty three points behind, seven ninety eight, and. Through my horrible luck, in that same stretch where Jake has had uh, five top 10s, I have had five consecutive races of 10th or worse, including two 30s or worse. Average finish of 23rd in that span. So Jake has caught up. He is just one point behind me for third place. And I could be finding myself in the cellar uh, before the Cup Series playoffs start. Uh, so with the 32nd place finish from Chase Elliott last week, I am picking first and I got to go with the guy who is uh, currently in 16th in the playoff standings. He, uh, a win would search like uh, 100% secure his way into the playoffs, bubble Wallace. He runs well at the super speedways. Um, let's see what he's made of. Is he going to, uh, to get a win or is he going to crumble and miss the playoffs? We'll see. Uh, and I certainly hope he does get the win for my, uh, my random pick sake or my real pick sakes, excuse me. Um, next is Dylan. Of course, he's not with us, but he has messaged in that he wants Chase Elliott. And uh, I admire his thought there with the back against the wall, but the HMS cars have not been great in races at uh, Daytona for a while. Of course, I, William Byron won at, what, in 2020. Well, 2020. it in 21.
2: 2020. Well, he won it in 21.
0: I know he won the Coke. I just watched it. He won the Coke 400 in 2020. Yeah, so um, he did win, uh, I know he won one of the summer Daytona races, but by and large, the Hendrick cars are lights out in qualifying at Daytona and just don't have ha- have what it takes or have the um, the, the right plays there uh, in the race to, to be up front at the end uh, and make it to the end. They sometimes get caught up in messes. So I think a brave pick there for Dylan, but um, he's swinging for the fences hoping that, that Chase uh, uh, gets his – uh, win and gets himself locked in the playoffs. And I guess Chase paid off for him last time he picked him. Chase uh, finished second at Indy well, uh, two weeks ago. So let's we'll see what happens there uh, for Dylan. Next up is Jake. Are you going with uh, Redick three times in a row?
2: No. Um, Redick has done well for me the last couple of weeks, but I will go to a guy I think is – is due and he's ran well at, at Daytona super speedways, Brad Kieslowski. Oh, so.
1: Oof. All right. Um, All okay. Thank God.
2: Okay. Uh, <laughs> almost got, maybe I was close, but uh, I just think, you know, he, he's been, he's been close a lot of times this year and in the past. And he, he's one of the, him and Kevin Harvick both clinched after Watkins Glenn. So, Pressure's off and away, and and uh, why not? It's He's got up.
0: nothing to lose, and, yep. and getting a win would be a huge uh, momentum boost for that group uh, headed into the playoffs. Well, all right. So
1: I, I like in the. I always look at whenever I think about Daytona, I think about like manufacturers that show up. Like I feel like Ford, like they show up in like a suit, and like Toyota shows up in like khaki pants, and then Chevy shows up like with the clothes they were wearing the day before from like a bar. <laughs> like, you know, it's are, like, are
0: you saying that Chevy shows up looking like Joe dirt? Yeah, basically, <laughs> you know, it's like, so, so, uh,
1: cause like I, I Brad Keselowski is a solid pick, but whoever's in front of him is going to get wrecked, you know, but the Fords are always there at the end. However, uh, the reason I'm mentioning this is because obviously the Fords work well together. Um, they're always fast at super speedways. They're always, I'm sorry, they're always fast at Daytona specifically. So I'm, uh, going with, um, Ryan Blaney, who, uh, has been good, um, for me. Uh, and I'm, I'm thinking that he is, uh, going to have some sort of, uh, redemption. I know that he had a race, a, a win earlier in the year. Um, but this is a kind of race that if he stays clean, he's going to be, uh, He's going to be fighting for a win at the end of the race, though. But I am hoping uh, to see Chase Elliott win. I really think it would be awesome to see back against the wall him, you know, go to victory lane. But um, we'll see what
0: happens. But this is uh, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in Blaney. So I had Blaney for the Daytona 500. He finished eighth. And Jake had Blaney for Talladega finish second. I don't know. I picked Blaney for one race, and I can't remember what it was. Bristol Dirt, twenty third, and you had him at Kansas, sixteenth, and, and at Gateway, sixth. So he's due again. He's due. By the way, Redick,
1: good. I'm glad nobody picked him because that dude is not good. I love Redick. He is not good at
0: Daytona. It yeah, I, like, I think uh, that's gonna. Yeah. That might be, uh, you know, a, a detriment to. Uh, To Bubba, it's just the Toyotas just don't have the numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, But they always find their way up, and maybe I can get a good points day out of it if he wins a couple stages. Mm
2: -hmm. Looks like this is the first time any of us all season has picked Brad Kozlowski. And that's, uh, I'm looking through. That's a
0: testament because, like, Brad K has been, uh, they've been picking it up. Yeah. Still not going to win, but.
2: I mean, what? Yeah. Don't want, you know, what a win for the organization to get both, you
0: know. Yeah, to get both in the playoffs. I was just thinking that, you know, both uh, RFK cars in the playoffs when they were the absolute dregs of the field, you know, just a few years ago. It's um, a testament also to
1: how good Brad Keslowski is as a driver when that six car, I uh, think, you know, I, I think Ryan Newman kind of got the short end of the stick for a while. Um, they just didn't have the kind of performance that they had in years past. And I think he was the best driver that could have had that car at that time. Um, but Brad's been very good. He's done the best he is. He, he can, uh, with that car. But, uh, you know, as we've seen Brad in, in super speedway since his last race, since his last win, um, he is extremely aggressive. Um, and that, that is just something that works to his, uh, to the field's detriment and, and doesn't help him much either. So we'll see what, what, what's going to, uh, transpire throughout the race, but man, I do not want to be in front of him in any double file line.
0: Yeah. I I'm interested in, uh, none of us picked, uh, Joey Logano, who I think applies the same thing there too. Um, okay. So let's get to our random picks real quick. Um, Dylan had a tough day with Michael McDowell, who finished 36 uh, dead last, but he did win the first stage, so we got 11 points out of it. Uh, next was Steve, uh, an 11th place finish from Todd Gilliland. What a run for Todd! Let's go. Um, I picked Todd Gilliland somewhere in my Chicago? actual. Chicago. I think it was at Chicago. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it, I know. I did. Yeah. He finished 19th, but but this is the kind of run I, I expected out of Todd Gillen for that one. I knew he had it in him, and uh, that that car has been, I think, outperforming expectations as well. Uh, and it's good to see that they'll have both uh, Michael McDowell and Todd Gillen back in those cars next year. Um, build something up, uh, get some experience, going on then a second car, and, and bounce ideas off each other. Uh, right. It'll be good for the FRM group. Uh, next was me. I had Blaney in Random this week. Ninth place finish from Blaney with a, uh, um, you know, it's a run that you don't normally expect from Blaney. He's not necessarily the the cream of the crop on road courses and gets a top ten out of it. Twenty eight points for him. And then uh, Jake had MTJ, who, as I mentioned earlier, was Steve's pick in uh, real picks. Finished sixth and got thirty one points. So uh, in our and that actually has a huge shake up in our random standings. Uh, i still lead the way with 671 points Jake has leapfrogged all the way to second place
2: there we go. in our
0: random standings 554 points uh so still 200 i've had a huge run got 200 uh plus point lead over Jake Dylan is in third with 538 so just 16 behind Jake and then Steve another 13 points back in th- uh fourth place of 525. Uh, but a great battle going on there. And we'll see what we get this week uh, for our random picks. And the first one will go to Dylan. So let's get the wheel spinning here. Uh, let's see who Dylan gets the for the 15 Daytona. of Reed Sorensen. Uh, not quite. He'll get the 99 of Daniel Suarez. Oops. That helps if I actually click in the window, let's type it in. All right. Uh, next will be. Uh, let's see. That is Steve had Todd Gilliland last week and okay. You'll get the, uh, 2022 Daytona 500 winner. Austin Cindric. Okay. (laughs) Not too enthused about that one. It sounds like Steve. I I like Cindric, but he's,
1: I don't, yeah, I don't want to say that was a fluke, but I'm not, he, he, he's
0: he's regressed a little bit this year for sure. Uh, next is me. Okay. Michael <laughs> oh, McDowell. Speak 2021
1: uh, Daytona 500 champion.
2: That's right,
0: Daytona 500 winners.
2: I'll get Ricky Stenhouse.
1: That would, uh, I, you could only hope. I feel like Stenhouse would be
0: the guy to beat. Huh, you will not get Ricky Stenhouse. <laughs> He'll get Ricky Spinhouse. <laughs> no, uh, who is in the, uh, Cole Custer will be in the 51 this week, I believe, actually.
1: You get Sorensen Reed. Yes, Sorenson
0: Reed.
2: Let's go Demolition Derby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, we, we were just talking about it, I think, before the show started. And, you know, it could be a demo derby. And, and the Rick Ware cars could finish top 10. Well, Cody
1: Ware finished, I think, top five in that rain, the ra- the race where there was rain in turn two. Oh, last year. Three. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I actually, I thought about that. Because normally be, we get Dylan's uh, forecast during the random picks like that. I'm like, man, I wish Dylan was on so I could ask him if, he, if it was going to randomly rain in one corner of the track and wipe out half the field. Well, uh, I
1: looked at the uh, weather for Daytona, and I'm just looking at Google, and I don't see any uh, chance of rain. It says, I, I don't know, I'm not a meteorologist, so I hope Dylan doesn't listen to this part of the pod, but okay. uh, it looks pretty good good i think i mean i i don't know it's daytona i it, it feel mm-hmm. like
0: it's gonna rain i mean it's florida in august right yeah it's florida a, in general. a yeah, they're pretty high <laughs> it's florida in general uh yeah so um to recap our random picks jake gets cole custer in the 51 dylan has daniel suarez steve has austin Sindrick, and i have uh, michael mcdowell so it should be an interesting week in the random standings for the last week of the Cup Series regular season. Um, looking ahead to Daytona, I mean, we, we know what's at stake here. There's one spot left in the playoffs. It's either going to be points or it's going to be somebody gets a win and bumps out Bubba Wallace. Uh, I think the only person who can realistically catch Bubba on points is, is Ty Gibbs. Uh, I think I – think, um, AJ Almendinger and, and Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott—they're too far down. They're, they can't possibly get enough points to catch um, to catch Bubba. Uh, Ty Gibbs, I think, needs to make up like 28 points. So, you know, if, if Bubba has issues and finishes last, then basically Ty needs to finish no worse than than seventh or eighth, depending on how the playoff points shake out. Here's or a que- the, uh, here. the stage points. Here's a question: If you're Bubba Wallace. Um do you
1: like, I don't know where he's going to qualify. I think generally he's been pretty good qualifying at speedways, super speedways, but if, do you bail early on in the race
0: to the back? I don't know. Cause I feel like it's been so hard to pass and it's so easy to lose the draft in these cars. Like, like I remember Denny talking about it after the Daytona 500 this year, that if you bail, you know, you have to have something really special to be able to drive back up to the front, um, especially because, like, you know, it's still difficult to get a second or third lane going too. I agree, but I there's there's part of me that think I, I wouldn't do it. I just
1: think that there is something to be said for like, yes, it is hard to pass. It's hard. It, it's easy to lose the draft. You can't really side draft either because there's not there's just there's not a lot of horsepower in these cars. Um, but there is something to be said for like being there at the end and there's no guarantee that like a big one doesn't happen and cleans you out anyway, but you lessen the blow if that does happen and it takes out other people.
0: Yeah. And I think being in in a Toyota where there's just so few Toyotas in the field anyways, that if you drop back to the back, um, you know, it's going to be very difficult for you to have anybody to work with. You might be able to get some help from a Rick Ware car or something like that, but there's probably the odds are probably not going to be great help. Uh, It's going to be very difficult for you to get back up. Sure. You know, it gets you out of sequence with pitting with your group. Um, I I like the idea of preserving your car, but man, I I just, I I think there's just too much, you know, that can go wrong there. And, and yeah, I I just don't know if it's worth it. Besides, if you, if you stay out front and, and lead the whole way and, and win and try to, and, you know, go that route. Um, you certainly can get caught up in a mess, right? Um, but no matter what happens, if you win, you're in.
1: Bubba is a very aggressive blocker, however. That's one thing that I think doesn't help him because he is of people, you know, and like they say, it, the, these tr- speed super speedways that like your friends are where you can find them. Um, but uh, he it blocks a lot. And, uh, you know, as we saw was a Talladega this year. He should have won that race. I mean, he had the car to win it. And uh, not that there was a problem with what he did. I just, there's going to be several opportunities if you're leading the race to either take a chance and block or not. So we'll see. I mean, I'm hoping for a good race and it's
0: not a wreck fest, but uh, it would certainly make it more interesting. Yeah. At least, we're guaranteed to have more cautions than we had. Like, We're guaranteed to have as many cautions this week as we did the last two weeks combined. Right.
1: I agree. I mean, <laughs> you have to, considering there's been one. Or wait, yeah. no, was it one?
0: It was two. one at, at each, I think, right? Yeah. And uh, one at each Indy and, and Watkins Glen. You're guaranteed to have two with the uh, stage breaks.
2: The race, the race might take longer in time than the combined last two.
0: That's
1: not completely out of the realm of possibility.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, a, uh, a big week to look forward to for the uh, for the NASCAR Cup Series as they go on to the regular season finale with a lot on the line for uh, Bubba Wallace trying to hold on to that 16th position and a Hungry Pack of Wolves behind him trying to get to that 16th position by way of a win. Uh, we'll have a big show for you next week as well. I think we're uh, working on a couple of guests to uh, wrap up the regular season and get pointed towards the playoffs. So um, keep an eye on that uh, on our social media and, and be sure to tune in next week uh, and at, every week as always. Um, so thank you so much for listening to cloudy with a chance of racing. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you would uh, subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, review, leave a, uh, uh, a rating on there as well. Uh, we really appreciate all that. Also, uh, check us out on social media at cloudy racing pod. We're there on threads, Instagram, and Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we, uh, we greatly, greatly appreciate the interaction there. We love interacting with our fans on those platforms. Um, so like we've mentioned before, a lot to look forward to with Daytona and uh, a big show coming up next week. So be sure to tune in, uh, to Cloudy with a chance of racing. Thanks so much for listening this week for Steve and Jake. I'm Braxton. We'll catch you with the top 16 finalized in the NASCAR Cup Series after Daytona this week. Have a good one.